Welcome to the Kingdom Sports Podcast, where we ask the question, which kingdom will you choose, man's kingdom or God's kingdom? And now, here are your hosts, Chad Bonham and Coach Ron Brown. Welcome to the Kingdom Sports Podcast. I'm your co-host, Chad Bonham, along with Coach Ron Brown. Coach, how are you doing today? Great, Chad. How are you, man? Doing awesome. It's always good to be with you. And uh, today we have a very special guest calling in from Alabama, Ryan Limbaugh. How you doing, Ryan? I'm great. Thank you very much. Well, Ryan, tell me about what you're doing these days and your affiliation with uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Well, Chad, I'm the area director for the Chihaw Valley FCA in the state of Alabama. It's interesting. I got a phone call from my uh, I guess my regional director the other day and congratulating me for 15 years of service. Um, I said, well, thank you very much. I had no idea it's been that long. So I've um, been, been serving with FCA off and on for 15 years uh, uh, through really college until now. So um, just excited to be a part of the front lines of ministry on campuses with athletes and coaches. Hey, Ryan, this is uh, Ron Brown here. And uh, again, thanks for being on with us. Um, I have a question for you. Uh, you. You know, you're from the great state of Alabama, which is arguably one of the top football states in in the country. Uh, and of course, uh, there are other sports there in Alabama, but I know football reigns. I'm, I'm a football man, so I can relate to that a little bit. Um, I know FCA has really gone in a strong direction toward the coach. What is the objective that you have in this, you know, talent-ridden, football-oriented state in Alabama with coaches? What, uh, where do you see yourself going with the materials that you're producing and the, and the inspiration that the Lord has put in your heart regarding coaches? Well, coaches are influencers and shapers of really cultures, if you want to know the truth about it. I, I know I have uh, a number of sons. I have three sons, but one of my sons who plays a couple of different sports. During the season, when he's around his coach every day, if I hear the words while he's in my car or at home, coach says, coach says, well, coach says, I hear it probably 10 to 20 times a week. No exaggeration. And so I realized that, that his coaches are really shaping his thought processes, what he thinks is important, what, what he thinks should be priorities in his life and how he goes about his business. And with the fact that in particular, like his coaches are around hundreds of, of athletes on, on any particular given day, what I want to do is, is help shape the mindset and the heart set of coaches who love Jesus. And then I want to help introduce Jesus to coaches who don't know him so that they can be setting the right kind of culture and the right kind of priorities and the right kind of heartbeat for their athletes. Because, you know, sports are great if they're played in the context of worshiping God and honoring God, but sports are a pretty terrible God. And if you play them uh, just simply as the end game, then um, it makes for a pretty rotten life, especially at the end. Well, Ryan, let's just pick up on Coach Says. What should a coach who's a follower of Jesus Christ be saying? What are they saying? What needs to be said? Well, you know, uh, Coach, and I know you agree with this, but it's not, um, it's not, it doesn't start with what they say with their lips. It really starts with what's inside their heart. Because Jesus taught us that 
Um, whatever a person speaks is really just a reflection of what's actually going on in their heart. And, you know, we wrote, we wrote the Christ pursuing coach, which I know we'll get to, uh, in large part because of, of what Paul tells us in the book of Philippians in chapter two, which says that, that we should do everything with humility and out of, out of a sense of selflessness because our, our Lord, our, our Savior, Jesus Christ, he was selfless and humble and came to the planet Earth and did not regard equality with God, something to be held on to and grasp, but rather made himself low, a man, and, and, and was humble, and he led through his humility, and he led through his servanthood. So whenever coaches speak, especially Christian coaches speak, what should be coming from their mouth is, is what's a reflection of a heart attitude of being a servant of being humble and gracious and kind and generous and excellent the way that the Savior was humble and kind and gracious and excellent in all of those ways. And so speech that edifies, builds up, strengthens, blesses, that's what should be coming from the mouths of coaches as a reflection of their Savior. Well, I know that Kingdom Sports is really excited to be partnering with you on this uh, 12-week study simply titled Philippians the Christ-Pursuing Coach, and the subtitle is really good, A Bible Study for Coaches Who Want to Know Christ and Make Him Known. Uh, you wrote this with Carlton Weathers. Talk about Philippians. Like, Why is the book of Philippians so key for uh, what we're trying to accomplish uh, and train coaches up to do? Well, Chad, the book of Philippians has rightly been called the epistle of joy. The epistle of joy. I think 19 times or so, the Apostle Paul uses the term rejoicing, rejoice, joy. Um, it's this, this word kara. It, it, it's having this, this inner joy, this inner delight that springs from a knowledge of God and being at peace with God so that no matter what your circumstances are, your situation is, you've got this, this inner joy, this inner peace, this inner delight that springs forth, that, that shows people that you have been made right with God. And because of that, all of your life, including your coaching, can can flow forth from this joy, this spring of, of eternal life that you have in Christ so that you can encourage with joy, you can challenge with joy, you can correct a player who's wrong with joy. You, your whole life, therefore your whole leadership, can be defined by this inner delight of the soul after having been set right with God. And so if, uh, if we want to impact coaches and we want them to lead in God's way, we felt like Philippians would be a great place to start so that coaches can lead from a place of joy and delight and, and contentment rather than frustration, anger, um, things that build up in coaches' uh, lives in the ebb and flow of their seasons. We, we thought that we could set them right, their hearts right, on the unchanging circumstances of Jesus Christ and Him crucified, which produces significant delight in the soul. We'll be right back with more from Ryan Limbaugh here on the Kingdom Sports Podcast right after this message. Coaches, if you're serious about leading your athletes for God's glory, then check out Philippians, the Christ-pursuing coach by Ryan Limbaugh. This Bible study and workbook is a guided tour through the Apostle Paul's letter to the Philippians and will help coaches apply the Word of God to every detail of team leadership. 
To pick up your copy and watch supplemental videos from Coach Ron Brown, visit kingdomsports.online. Ryan, um, if I just quickly make a leap over to uh, James chapter 1, the scripture reminds us to be doers of the word, um, lest we be hearers only and deceive ourselves. So what's that look like for the Christian coach who really, as they go through the Philippian study and they read the incredible words, the attitude of gladness in the midst of harsh trials? Um, you know, we live in a, in, a, in a real culture that defines success by the elimination of trial, basically. You know, you don't lose, you don't get injured, you don't, you know, you, 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 uh, you don't get fired. But we live in a world, obviously, that that happens to for the coach. So... What's the doing of all of this learning in Philippians going to look like, you think, for the Christ-following coach? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, coach, I appreciate you bringing up that point as far as, like, what does what does the doing look like? Because James said that, and I, I have this conviction, like, that when we read the Scriptures, there there is this sense in which the Lord wants us to meditate on what does he want us to know from a passage? What does he want us to feel in our hearts from a passage? And then what does he want us to do with, with, our, with our hands and our feet from a passage? What does he want me to know? What does he want me to feel? What does he want me to do? And, and certainly with coaches, um, we want them to walk away from this study, really being able to say, well, this, this, is, what, this is what God wants me to do from Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 18, or whatever the case may be. And, and so we've established within the study keys to winning. And we generally have three keys to winning at the end of each chapter. And the, some of the keys would, would be things like love. Like, you, you need to figure out a way to pursue the highest good of your players this week. What, what does that look like? Or passion. Like, you need to gauge the level of passion that you have for Christ, for the souls of your players, for um, your team to experience the love of Christ, gauge that and seek a way to to gain a white-hot passion for Christ that involves Bible study, a time of prayer every day, etc. And then servanthood. Like sometimes we'll, we'll say, here's the third key to winning, servanthood. Can you do two things this week, coach, that are going to demonstrate to your players and to your fellow coaches that you are here to serve them? Can you stay after practice and pick up the trash in the locker room? Or can you, can you go get popsicles from Walmart, put them in the freezer, and, put, and then give them to everybody after your hardest practice? Things like that are what we want coaches to start thinking about so that servanthood language is not just language. It becomes real. And passion is not just language. It becomes real. Um, we want to help them as very, as much as possible, and at the same time, give the Holy Spirit the opportunity to give them creativity and a plan for themselves. And so, we've created room for that within the study, so that they can they can gain ideas, be creative, and begin to flesh out all that God wants them to be and to do from the Book of Philippians. Ryan, I appreciate that, and I appreciate the locker room mentality, the film room, the culture of the of the place, maybe in the weight room and so forth. But what is the actuality of of our playing performance? Like, how do we take the Bible study, Philippians, let's say, out onto the field on third and four? Or if you're a running back and you've got to get a first down and it's fourth down and inches, and if you don't get the first down, uh, it's probably ball game. 
Um, how do you take that out onto the field? How does that kid, how does that coach, as they go through the study, how does the parent who are, who are adopting some of these principles, how do they take that out onto the field? But let's just start with the coach first. What's that look like for the coach right in the middle of the game? Okay, so let me, let me actually just jump to an experience that I personally have had before uh, to, to, to let it play out. So if I know that the Apostle Paul has, has said that he who has begun a good work in me will complete it until the very day of Christ Jesus. And I know that he has encouraged me to work out your salvation because it is him who is at work in you to, to do and to work his good pleasure. Um, I, I was uh, playing college baseball and was uh, playing against our arch rival in an in a area division game that was really going to depend on the, the championship of our region, which would give us good seating. And we're up by one run in the top of the seventh inning, which was the last inning uh, in college baseball because we were playing a doubleheader. Um, and they had two runners on and two outs. And a left-handed hitter was up, and I played first base. And he hit a ground ball to me, right to me. And for whatever reason, against all of the thousands of ground balls that I had practiced and taken before, I just kind of got on my tippy toes, just kind of leaped up a little bit to anticipate a big hop. And the big hop didn't come. The ball went through my legs. It went out to right field. And uh, our arch rival scored two runs to go up by one run in the last inning. We get the next guy out. And I'm the cleanup hitter. I'm the fourth hitter coming up in the next inning. Our first two guys strike out. So I'm on deck with our third guy up. We're down by one run. And that guy walks. He walks. And so I'm walking up to the plate. And I have just cost our team two runs. We go down by one. And now I'm stepping to the plate. And I'm tempted. I'm tempted to feel like, oh, man, I just cost our game in the field. And now... I get the opportunity to cost my team at the plate to make the very last out of the game. And, and the pitcher has a great changeup, and he throws a changeup, and I swing right through it. He throws another changeup, and I swing right through it. I look totally clueless on the pitch, and I step out of the batter's box. And what's going on in my mind is very important here as a Christian athlete. What, what is, what's going on in my heart is very important, and I'm tempted to be scared. I'm scared to lose. I'm scared to fail. I'm scared to, to receive the, the rejection of my teammates and all of the fans in the stands. But when something that is truthful comes into my heart, like, you know what? No matter whether I, I hit a home run, God's not going to love me any more than he already does. And if I strike out, God is not going to love me any less than he already does. My performance on this next pitch does not in any way dictate God's attitude and his love toward me and my acceptance in his kingdom. And so I can step back into this batter's box with a significant amount of confidence because my standing with God and my relationship with God has no bearing on what I do here, but I know that he can strengthen me to do the very best that I can in this moment. Well, by God's grace, I did something uh, really good in that moment, and our team came back to win, but regardless, had I not, that's the kind of impact that absorbing the love of God 
and containing the joy of God can have on an athlete, and the same would hold true for a coach in a moment of decision-making or play-calling or what, what have you. Love that picture. That was a great story. So what you're saying to the audience and what you're saying to us is that really the goal wasn't a base hit or a big hit at that moment. The goal was to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ as you brought Christ into the equation, and that frees you up to be at your very best to swing the bat or to make a decision in the actual game. Is that what I'm hearing? No, that's exactly right, Coach. I, I, I could restate exactly how you said it, or I could just add to it and just say, I want to magnify, I want to put on display the worth, the majesty, the greatness, the excellence the mercy and the grace of God every time I step between the white lines or any time I'm coaching on the sideline or, or whatever, you know, um, fill in the blank of whatever position that the person who may be listening to this holds. We'll be right back with more from Ryan Limbaugh here on the Kingdom Sports Podcast right after this message. Athletes, are you feeling the pressure to succeed in today's performance-driven world? Then check out the Discipleship Edition of the Handbook on Athletic Perfection. Learn from sports ministry expert Wes Neal as he introduces biblical principles into athletics and shows you how to have the right attitude and behavior in competition. You'll learn how to change your thinking and what it means to do sports God's way. To pick up your copy and watch supplemental videos from Coach Ron Brown, visit kingdomsports.online. You know, it's interesting. Philippians is well known throughout the world, or the sports world, I should say, for one verse, and you know what I'm going to say here, obviously, <laughs> but it's it's interesting because even me, you know, having been raised, you know, in a ministry home and been in Sunday school my whole life, it wasn't until I was an adult when I realized that that verse had been, you know, misinterpreted uh, many a time, especially in the sports world. And um, you know, obviously, it's towards the end of Philippians, and it's obviously towards the end of your uh, your your um, your your twelve week study with Kingdom Sports, but. Talk about, you know, Philippians, obviously 4.13 is what I'm talking about here. And and how do you approach that? Uh, obviously, that is a lot of, you know, a, a lot of athletes use that. But, you know, you're talking about reaching coaches and, and, and getting them to understand Philippians and how it changes the way that they coach. How do you how do you approach that scripture and getting a full understanding of that entire chapter and that passage, not just that one verse? Well, Chad, thank you for that question. It really means a lot to me that you want to point this out because one of the very motivations for doing these Bible studies with coaches is to help coaches study the Bible, to know what the Bible means by what the Bible says. I was taught a long time ago that a text without a context is a proof text for a pretext. Now, that you have to analyze that statement a little bit, but what it means is is you don't really have a text of Scripture until you understand it in its context. You can't just pluck a phrase or pluck a verse out of its context and run with it and own it as if as if God has put his stamp of approval for you to just take anything that's down in, in God's revelation and say, I'm going to take it and put my spin on it. And that's that's precisely what many in the sports world have done with Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. Paul wrote that from a prison cell. Paul wrote that from a place of suffering and from a place of difficulty and challenge. Paul is, is, is sitting there in a, in a situation where he is confined and is ultimately going to be 
put to death because of his faith in Christ and his testimony for Christ. And and he's saying, listen, I have abounded in, in wealth. I have had everything that I've, I've needed as far as food and clothing and shelter and all of all of that's necessary for life. And I've also gone days without without eating and without having proper water. I've been cold for a long periods of time without a coat or with, without a blanket. And this is the deal, is that I, in whatever state that I have found myself in, I know that I can live for Christ. I can magnify Christ. I can demonstrate how glorious and wonderful my Savior is because he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. That's the, that's the impetus behind Paul's statement. I can do all things through Christ. That means I can be well provided for, or I can be malnourished. Either way, I want to show the world how great Christ is. And that's the idea. And so what we want to do in the study is help coaches to understand that text in its context so that we don't propagate or promote a false idea of what God is all about. Because this is the thing, and, and I'm just going to jump right to it, Chad. Um, sports are a great way to magnify God and to show how awesome God is. But sports is not a means by which for us to get God on the hook and use him to magnify ourselves and our teams and to demonstrate how great we are. And Philippians 4.13 has been used to, to do the latter, unfortunately, improperly. And we wanted to kind of say, hey, let's, 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 let's provide a little bit of context to that verse. Yeah, I really appreciate that, Ryan. That's great context, and we agree here. You know, if you look at verses 11 and 12 in that same chapter, it really talks about what you've already talked about, in essence, contentment, humility, uh, in the midst of any circumstance. And so, uh, you know, I, I really appreciate that. And, you know, we really believe here at Kingdom Sports that sports should expose our need for Jesus. And I think those circumstances that Paul went through exposed his need for Jesus. And he had as much of a need for Jesus in prosperity as he did in affliction. And that's the, the thing that, uh, that, we're, that we, we kind of sometimes get sideways with. But it's a circumstance-free faith. And, and you talked about joy, which is an attitude of gladness regardless of the circumstance. So thanks for that, mm. that insight. I think that's a really important thing that you just said. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, and one last question I have for you, and that is, and I maybe should have asked this at the first, but kind of circling back to your background, and I think this kind of underscores the importance of having teaching that is based out of, you know, uh, theological correctness. And so you have a, a theological background. Talk about that and why it is so important for us, in this, whether it's sports ministry or pulpit ministry, whatever it might be, evangelism, that we are correctly dividing the word of truth um, through theologically sound teaching. Oh, absolutely. You know, I, uh, I grew up going to church and, and was around sweet, loving, sincere people and got some really basic uh, good truths uh, throughout my, my childhood. But when I, when I started uh, serving with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes full-time, I was getting the opportunity to speak and teach and lead like five to ten times a week, going from campus to campus, and sometimes well over a thousand students per week that I was, I was able to minister to. And here I was at 
26 years old and I had no training and I was doing the best I could. And I'm confident that the Holy Spirit was using me. But at the same time, I really did not have any basic ideas about um, how to go about studying a passage, you know, like observation, interpretation, application, things like that. And so I just, I said, um, you know, if I'm going to do ministry for the rest of my life, I need to get training. And so uh, when I was 26, I, uh, by God's provision and His providence, I, I uh, was able to go out to the Master Seminary in Los Angeles, California, and train there. And uh, just when I when I showed up on campus for a visit, uh, they told me that they were going to train me uh, to study the Word of God and exegete it, and then to uh, preach it and to lead from my exegetical ministry in in shepherding God's people. They said it would be hard, it would be difficult, but in the end, that's what I would be able to do. And I have always said this, that is exactly what the Master Seminary did for me. It was a very difficult three and a half years. It was challenging. Uh, there were sleepless nights and study and translation work and working through Hebrew and Greek and the various theology classes, etc. But on the other side, what they did is they prepared me for a lifetime of ministry of the Word. For that, I will always be thankful. I'm thankful to John MacArthur, who was the president of the seminary and the founder of it. I'm thankful for all of the professors and administrators that I had, um, men men of God who who did an excellent job of training me. I want to say that it is not necessary for people to do gospel ministry to, to go to seminary. But I will say this, I'm grateful for my experience, and I believe that I've spiritually benefited ever since, and I just want to uh, give honor to whom honor is due, and I want to be I want to be verbally uh, and heart thankful for all those um, godly people who serve in seminaries and Bible colleges that help people like myself and coaches uh, lead from a place of understanding God's Word and applying it not only to their lives, but in their leadership. Study to show thyself approved, and that that seems to be the mantra that you've just shared with us, Ryan. We really appreciate not only uh, joining us on the podcast here today, but also just the mentality, the hard work. You know, greatness is made in empty stadiums. It's only revealed in a full stadium. You probably had many empty stadiums, many lonely nights as you were studying the Word of God and just wondering all alone there, just what is this all going to come out to in the end? And to be able to now to have that outflow in a study book that you've written that are going to that's going to affect just many many coaches and a number of people uh, for years in their in their spiritual life, but also even on the broadcast for those who are listening today. So there was a rhyme and a reason. Your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Mm-hmm. So thanks for being on the show with us and sharing that with us. Wow, Coach. Well, that's very affirming to my own heart. So thank you for those words of encouragement. It means a lot. Um, I'm just I'm grateful to be here, and and I pray that maybe we'll be able to to do some more studies here in the near future. Well, and thank you again, Ryan, for being on the show. If you want to pick up Ryan Limbaugh's book, uh, Philippians: The Christ Pursuing Coach, go to KingdomSports.online, and uh, you can also get a lot of other resources uh, through Kingdom Sports. There, thank you, Ryan, for being with us today. You guys have a wonderful day. It's an honor to be here. Wow, Ron, that was a great conversation with Ryan Limbaugh, who, of course, authored Philippians, The Christ Pursuing Coach. And 
Uh, just, I'm going to give you the final word. What, what, do you, what are your thoughts on, on what you heard from Ryan and in general, what you're thinking about, uh, what Philippians is going to help a coach learn about how to pursue Christ in his profession, in his ministry as a coach? Hmm. Well, uh, first of all, I love the fact that he has really dove into the Word and, and has put himself under... Uh, some folks who will help teach him the word in in his years as he was growing as a Christian. And um, I think it's really important, Chad. I thought you asked a very pertinent question regarding Philippians 4.13. We take so much scripture out of context. We need to to have trustworthy teachers. And that's true, you know, of all the coaches that are listening. If you're a Christian coach, you're heading up your team, whatever sport that is, you have a responsibility to know and to be a doer of the Word of God. You can't just keep delegating it to the team chaplain or, you know, some pastor. Um, You have got to be able to deliver the goods. And so I love the fact that he has studied. I think he can be a great help to coaches. Uh, I love the fact that he has dug deeper than just, uh, you know, taking the Word and using it for his own uh, means and winning games and meeting the definition of success in this world. In this world, so uh, I, I really, I, because a man has been trained that way, you can trust a man that way that he's going to be a good home plate empire. He's going to call a ball a ball, a strike a strike. He's going to say this is Christ, and this is not. This is what this verse means. This is is not what this verse means. And I think when you're when you're being discipled or you're being mentored by someone like that who's growing you in the Word of God, um, that's a trustworthy uh, opportunity to grow in your faith. So if you are a coach or are someone who is uh, close to a coach, um, go check out Philippians, The Christ-Pursuing Coach by Ryan Limbaugh with Carlton Weathers. It's a great book, a great workbook, just a 12-week study, very easy to read, and uh, but very impactful. And uh, again, will help, as the, t- as the tagline says, uh, coaches who want to know Christ and make him known. Thank you for joining us for another edition of the Kingdom Sports Podcast. We'll see you next time right here. To learn more about doing sports God's way, visit our website at kingdomsports.online, where you'll find transformational resources for coaches, athletes, parents, pastors, and sports ministry leaders. Please join us next time for another edition of the Kingdom Sports Podcast.